0: I think we can honestly say everybody in this room has some kind of a scar. And and we understand in sharing them, they'll probably never completely go away. But the scar is, is the formation of healing. Well, when you see a scar, it usually means that there has been healing from an injury or wounding. And there's different ways to get scars, isn't there? There's the the physical, something happens to you. You shared about that at your table. But there's also the unseen wounding. And I believe these are probably some of the deepest because they go beyond, below the skin level. And, And so often in our lives, nobody ever sees them because they begin to hit those emotional points, those places that are deep in our soul. They were inflicted externally but they begin to get submerged internally in places that no one sees. And I believe this is what happens to a lot of people, is those wounds, if they aren't taken care of, it, if they aren't deeply healed those, in those deep areas, well, at some point in life, whether it's through stress, whether it's just through difficult times or whatever, those will always begin to bubble to the surface and will almost become like a fresh wound again. Let's face it, we, most of us in this room probably understand life can hurt. Stuff happens. There's no guarantee of a pain-free life. We understand this, that those of us who have been walking with God for any amount of time, that God doesn't overrule our pain or injustice. We would like for him to at all points, but he doesn't always overrule it. He simply promises to oversee it with us and to give us a guided tour through it. Because that's how our God works. I want to talk this morning about some of those pains, some of those wounds that possibly some of us have, and how Jesus is, well, through his wounds and through his scars can bring healing. If you brought a Bible, uh, I want you to turn to John chapter 20. If not, just listen, and I'm going to kind of walk you through a passage, and you're going to see where Jesus exposes his wounds and scars. John chapter 20, verse 19. Now, in the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Now, understand, Jesus has died. He was crucified at the hands of Jewish leaders, the Roman Empire, but it really was Jewish leaders that set him up because of what he taught, his subversiveness to the religious order. So now, all of a sudden, he's died on the cross, And these guys are hiding out in a room because they're thinking he got it. (laughs) We're his closest followers. We could be next. But notice what happens. Remember, the doors are locked, right? It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace to you. That would be a little scary. Doors locked. You're in an upper room. You're already fearful. And all of a sudden something, somebody just appears. And so Jesus comes. But I love this, you know, because this is his disciples. Most of them left him at the cross. The only one we know of that was there was John. Everybody else scattered. I don't know about you, but if I'm Jesus, I'm going to go, uh, hey, you losers, where'd you go? Hey, how could you reject me like this? You are pathetic and poor followers. But notice the grace of Jesus. He comes and he doesn't say anything like that. He says, peace be with you. And it's the word shalom. And we understand that that isn't just a a peace that has to do with the absence of conflict around us, but shalom has to do with an inner peace within us as well as around us. And so Jesus comes in his great love and he says, peace, shalom to these guys that really were kind of abysmal failures. And notice what he does next in verse 20. Having said this, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. And now notice what the disciples do. They weren't so excited about the peace be with you, but this turned the corner for him. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord and his scars and his wounds. Well, verse 21 says, And Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. And then he commissions them and he says, I want you to know something, guys. The Father sent me to this world. Now I'm going to send you to the world. And after saying this, he breathed on them. And it says that the, he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about that forgiveness piece. It's really important for our lives. But one of the twelve, Thomas, called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. Uh, Let me just say, that's why it's not good to miss church or miss meetings. You'll never know what you're going to miss. They missed Jesus. I mean, Thomas wasn't there. He didn't get to see him. But the other disciples kept telling him, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, well, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never Believe. Now, a week or so later, eight days, his disciples were indoors again. This time, Thomas is with them at the meeting. Now, even the doors, even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And what does he say again? Peace to you. You just got to see this. I mean, this is. I mean, what I love about Jesus. I'm sure he just kind of waltzed over there to to Thomas. And he says, hey, Thomas, put your finger here. Observe my hands. Reach out your hands. Put it in my side. Don't be an unbeliever. Be a believer. And then Thomas responds with this great declaration. He says, my Lord, my Savior, my guide, my leader, my director, my God. He not only understands the greatness of who he is, but the relationship that he now offers him. And then Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. But those who believe without seeing, they are the ones who are truly blessed. That's a great presentation, loved ones, for you and I. We haven't seen Jesus in in the flesh. But when we believe, there's an incredible blessing that goes with it. See, Jesus' wounds and scars comes from his greatest pain. And with his disciples there, he uses them as recognizable points of revealing, this is me, this is who I am. And I believe it's a teachable moment, not only for his disciples there in that upper room during those couple weeks, uh, but it's a wonderful teaching moment for you and I as well, that God wants to use his wounds and scars, and he wants to use our wounds and our scars. During my talk today, we're going to interweave a story of of a Creeksider in here, just a wonderful friend of mine. His name is Chris Kyle. And he courageously tells his story. Uh, And we're going to just see it at different points.
1: After going to church for 13 years in this town, thinking that I was a good Christian, being home, Hiding, lying, I was drinking, hard liquor, I was watching pornography, taking prescription drugs, I was a big, fat, soft, white guy. Everything was big. My portion sizes, the 22 ounce beer at the restaurant, yeah, sure, I'll have another. It all adds up. The calories, the not exercising, garbage in, garbage out, it all adds up. Slowly, I got slower, tired, but I was already fat and I was soft. Ah, eh, that's just the way it is. Well, I was only in my early forties. You don't, you don't think about that. You don't think, oh well, I'm just tired. Well, I wasn't just tired. I was dying, slowly. I started having chest pain in the morning. As I'm starting to have my chest pain, I figure, you know what, I think I'll have a couple of drinks. That'll make it feel better. So I went down to my garage, and I tipped up a half gallon of vodka. But it's Sky Vodka, good vodka. (laughs) <laughs> Went back upstairs, laid down, felt even worse. Decided to make myself try to throw up, because that'll make me feel better. It's got to be indigestion. That's that's what you always hear. But my heart was exploding, slowly. I get my son, and I feel terrible. So I said, you know, let's go to Jack in the Box for dinner. That'll, that'll do it. So when my son and I are sitting there, I became increasingly short of breath. I told my son, Christopher, I think I'm having a heart attack.
0: Some of our greatest sources of pain and wounding in life come from a few different areas. First of all, it comes from what I do to myself. Those things that are self-inflicted, negligence, bad choices. Moving into sin and deciding to do things that we know aren't right or best for us. Moving away from God. And instead of recalibrating our lives, we begin to see ourselves as failures. We begin to wonder, could God ever love me? Could God ever accept me? I talk to people all the time. They say, I could never come to your church, Terry. Because if I did, the building would cave in. And some of them almost really believe that, that they're afraid to come in here. And so what do they do? They believe that God could never love them, accept them, forgive them. And other people, you know what we do? We do what Chris did. We hide out. You know, we got the smile, but over here, we got all this stuff in our garage or all this stuff that we've buried in our heart in our life. And one of the great works of the enemy of our soul is to keep everything Hidden. It was 1984. There was a car stolen in California. It happens all the time, but this one dominated the airwaves. Why? Because the gentleman who had his car stolen, he was in his driveway and he uh, forgot something in the house and he left it idling. And he ran in to get something. When he come out, the car was stolen. He reported to the police, and he said, police, you don't understand. we got to get an APB out. we got to get this thing moving because this is really serious. And it's not about my car right now. But in the front seat, I had some crackers that were laced with poison because he was heading up to his, his vacation cabin to be able to remove and to kind of take care of a, of a rodent problem. He was going to feed it to him. And he says, my greatest fear now isn't for my car, but that that man would eat something and die because he doesn't know there's poison in them. And see, loved ones, that's a wonderful example. See, that's what Christ came to do. That's why we celebrate Easter and Good Friday. Because Jesus doesn't come to arrest us as criminals, He comes to save our lives from the poison of sin and self inflicted things that we involve ourselves in. That's the purpose, that's His love. I don't know where you are today. But you can never doubt the love of God for you. And see, not only do we inflict stuff on ourselves, but what life brings our way. Stuff we can't control. You know how life just happens? I mean, just out of left field. Stuff happens. The loss of a dream. Maybe you had a business you wanted to start. You never got it off the ground. Or maybe you started a business and the thing just dissolved. Uh, Maybe you've wanted children and couldn't have them. Maybe you have a sickness or a health issue that has diminished your capacity to be able to see your dreams fully fulfilled. Maybe it's a loss of a relationship. We've, we've gone through a divorce. Someone walked out on you, had an affair on you. you don't have, what, where'd that come from? why did that happen? Maybe some of us have had miscarriages. No, we can all carry relational wounds. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. We're just... Someone unexpectedly passed away or a miscarriage. Well, it's not only what we do to ourselves and what, other, what, what life brings our way, but what about what others do to us? Some of us can't control the fact, couldn't control the fact that we were molested. Maybe some of us have been abused, rejected by our parents, or, you know, people say and do stupid things to us and they don't even know they're doing it, but somewhere deep inside it hurts. See, people are resilient, but we're not rubber, are we? And see, when those things happen in those three areas, and you can fill in the blank for maybe, I didn't mention your poison, but it's there. And you've got your own stuff. But one of the big problems, what we do is, is we begin to blame. We blame God. We blame others. We blame our circumstances, and we blame life. And can I just tell you, that's not a good way to go either. Yesterday morning, I was getting ready for the, for the weekend and uh, got up and it's probably 6, 15 or 6 o'clock. I was showering and getting ready and I just, it was, just felt so good to be in the shower. I said, I'm going to spend a couple extra minutes in here. And so I did and uh, it was nice. I wasn't usually moving at Mach 4 like I usually do in the morning before services and um, took my time and get out of the shower and I'm toweling off. Just enjoying it, and all of a sudden I hear. Terry! It was kind of muffled and some toweling off and I wasn't sure. And I walked out and kind of said, looked I just stepped outside of a bathroom and kind of looked to the left in the bedroom and say, Trina? Trina? And then all of a sudden I hear behind me. Terry. And I go, I walk over to the bathroom, the bathroom again, and I had the window was cracked about two inches, and I looked down there, and there's Trina. She's in her nightgown and her, and her bathrobe. she's looking up at me. And I looked down, I started laughing. Because this is a common occurrence in the Riley home. She's always locking herself out. And so... And so I just kind of chuckled for a moment and finished toweling off and then threw the towel around me and make sure no one's looking, go outside and lock the door. And here she comes in and she comes into the door. She says two things. First of all, she goes, you took a longer shower today, didn't you? And I said, yeah, it's funny, but I really did. And uh, and then the second thing, she says, you know, this, you know, everyone thinks my wife is so good, but she's really not. She's uh, a, <clears throat> she's a, uh, I got, yeah, I said this for three other services, so she understands me, and, and so I know some of you are going to boo, and all oh, hiss, and know oh, what a bad man, but I still love her. But even after this, we walk in, and she says, you know, this wouldn't have happened if you would have put the key back, because the other day, and we have a key that we place outside, and, and I, she got it for me, and I had to use it because of some car things we were switching around, and blah, 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 but I gave it to her the day before. And so I just said, honey, if you would have put it back, we would have been fine. (laughs) Don't blame me. See, that's what we do in life, though, isn't it? We just want to pass the blame. And we understand that when it comes to hurt and pain and woundedness, it's a dead end. Because you really can't pass that off. See, at some point in our life, the point of origin of where we get wounded is unimportant because a wound is a wound. Pain is a pain. The issue becomes, will you allow those wounds to be touched so that you can move from being a wounded person to developing scars? Because a scar is simply the reminder, the proof that the wound has healed. But you know, so many of us, we get wounded, and we never allow those wounds to be healed. So we walk around with them, and we're hurt, we're in pain. And what do they say, hurt people? Hurt people. And see, when people are hurting inside, well, it usually not only hurts people around them and causes collateral damage, but ultimately it continues to hurt themselves. So the question is, what do you do with scars? I don't know about you, you know, you remember kids growing up? What'd you do? You got this big old scab from falling down, and oh, oh, and you start picking it off, and then it starts bleeding, and you go, oh, no, and you start sucking the blood, you know? Well, I I mean, most of the girls probably didn't do that, but come on, guys. You know we did that. Your parents would say, quit sucking on that thing, you're going to get infected. But we still pick... And we still pick, but what we realize, it will get infected, and it will never heal. And that's where we are with some of us. If we continue to pick at our scabs and our wounds, they'll never heal her. And that's why we, they'll never heal. That's why we need the
1: healer. My son and my wife are standing at the door with me. And my son, both sons. So I'm ready to go in. Bye. Seven hours I was on the table. My blood was going through a big giant coffee filter. For seven hours, my lungs were deflated. My heart was by itself. Gug, 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 The machine is doing all the work for you. I swear, I feel like Jesus was in that machine, filtering my blood
2: with his blood, taking out all the poison and the pain and the anger and the sorrow. I had a 40% chance of never returning to work in the capacity that I am now. I had a 50% chance of not surviving the heart attack to begin with. I had a percentage of chance for stroke, for pulmonary embolism, for paralysis, or death. And I didn't care. But I sure do now. Because now I can help people. I can feel people. And I know how real Jesus really is. I always believed, but I didn't know. Now I really do know. But he came to save the world from death and pain for eternity. All you have to do is accept it. Embrace it. Believe it because it's true.
0: It's through our pain and our wounds, who look like Chris. It's through our doubts, uh, like Thomas, that Jesus comes to show us what he can do, what we can do with those wounds and those great points of pain. Understand pain will not change you. It will not necessarily make you better unless you allow it to. And that comes by some of the choices that we have to make, even as Chris had to. There's a prophetic passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. And it's speaking of the coming, the suffering Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it says this, surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. (laughs) But here's the promise. Here's the power. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And get this, and by his stripes, we are healed. Our wounds are healed by his wounds. It's interesting that as you study Jesus on the cross and everything that he went through, There's usually five different ways that we can experience wounds on our body, and Jesus experienced all of them. There's a contusion. Well, this happened when Jesus was punched repeatedly in the face. There's laceration that took place when he was whipped. There was a puncture when the crown of thorns was forced on his head and forehead. There was perforation when the spikes were driven through his hands. And then there was incision when the spear was thrust into his side. Why did he do all that? Why did he experience all those wounds? Well, it says in Isaiah, so that you and I could be healed. I love what Chris said. He said when he was on the table, it was as if his blood was being exchanged for Christ's blood, and all the toxins, all the poisons, all the junk was coming out, being filtered out. Can I tell you, that's a powerful picture, imagery, of exactly what happens when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into every one of our lives, because his blood was shed on the cross. Scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And he doesn't just kind of cover over it. It says that it cleans it white as snow. It is washed away. And our lives literally are transfused with a life and the power of Jesus Christ. We see the disciples' response. See, Jesus talks about this thing about forgiveness. And listen, I believe this is one of the most foundational points in your life, that if you don't forgive, you will bury and stash and hide the pain and the wounds of your life. And ultimately, it will come out because you can't keep toxic things inside and not experience the fallout from it. Man's greatest need is forgiveness, but greatest, God's greatest deed is his ability and desire to forgive us. Now, some of you may say, oh, Terry, I don't know. I I think creation's the greatest deed that ever took place. No way. No way. Because, see, Jesus, he had to bleed and to die to absorb our sin so he could absolve our sin. And again, loved ones, this is probably the single most important foundation in your life for healing, forgiveness. Every one of us in this room probably has a past. I don't know about you, but I do. I got stuff I've only told a couple of people about from my past. And there were times in my life when it was literally haunting because I couldn't carry it. It becomes daunting because it's too much. And you feel like, oh, how could God ever love me? How could he ever accept me? That God's so much bigger than our past. But some of us may be in this room today. You're just carrying stuff. And there's a heaviness to your life because, well, you've really never given it. To Jesus maybe you've tried to go to a confession box or someplace else and take care of it try and do some kind of religious thing but that'll never take care of it it's only the life and the blood and the person of Jesus Christ there is this Philippine gal she grew up in a very very religious home in the Philippines and she did all these religious things. One day she become, uh, she encountered this group of Christ followers who loved Jesus, and she began to interact with them. And soon she, they, she developed a relationship, and they led her to understand what it meant to walk with Jesus Christ and not just have a religion of doing stuff. And she was totally free and loved it and grew in Jesus. One day she was, she, she come down with a terminal illness. And as she's laying in bed, her family who loved her and cared for her said, they sent a holy man to come to absolve her sins. Before she died, they wanted to make sure her sins were taken care of. The holy man walks into her room and says, Ma'am, I'm here to absolve your sins. And she says, Oh, could you come here, please? He walks over to the bed. She goes, Let me have your hands. And she begins to feel his hands, rubbing both hands. And she goes, I'm sorry, sir, you're an impostor. You cannot absolve my sins. Only the Jesus with wounds in his hands can do that. And she understood a very salient truth for every one of us. There's no priest, there's no pastor, there's no parent, there's no person that can absolve your sins, your failure. Only the person of Jesus Christ. That is the, that's the reason why we would celebrate Easter, because it's not simply a religious gathering to go, woohoo. let's kind of do the church thing, and then go home and have chocolate Easter bunnies and a good ham dinner. I mean, this day means something. That's why it's been celebrated for 2,000 years. See, that's the message in the good news today. That's the message that we can let people know that sins can be forgiven through Jesus Christ because they were secured on the cross. And then it was validated by the resurrection of the first Easter. Forgiveness, loved ones, is so important. And Jesus comes to give it liberally. But there's another key to healing, and it's repentance, Remember I said you've got to make a choice? See, it's not, it's not a common word in our language today, but it's really important because repentance has to do with changing your mind, the course, and your direction. It literally means you think differently in such a way that if you're going this way, you're going to do a 180 and go the other way. If you're, if you're walking towards sin and doing life the way you know you shouldn't do it, but all of a sudden there's a revelation, a revealing like it happened with Thomas, like it happened with Chris, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go toward the God who loves me, who receives me, and who accepts me. But hear this, listen, because I know a lot of you are Christ followers. Repentance isn't just this one thing you do to come to Jesus. Repentance should be a lifestyle where day by day you are allowing the Spirit of God that he breathes in each one of us to speak to us and to change us. And to lead us into always making decisions that are moving us toward Him, not away from Him. See, can I just tell you something? This is a truth that we all need to make sure that we're aware of today. We're all sinners. We are all sick by sin. See, we we don't... We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's part of our nature and it's part of our choice patterns. And the only way that we can deal with it is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And some of us, though, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of religious. And we think, you know, that, well, I'm better than I am bad. And so what do we do? We begin to kind of look down on a lot of people. And then we begin to kind of quarantine ourselves because we don't want to come into contact with them. But you know what Jesus did? That's all he ever did. Jesus ran with the sinners because that's why he came. And that's why every one of us need his touch, need his relationship. So Jesus comes to Thomas and he speaks to him and he says, look, and then he shows. What is, what is Jesus really doing with Thomas there? It's another revealing, a revelation of who Jesus is. What he's really saying is, can I tell you something, Thomas? I'm with you every day. Oh, you may not see me, but I'm there. You know what? I hear everything you say. I heard you when you were being a cynic. Will Really, show me. I heard you when you doubted my resurrection. I won't believe. And I can just see Jesus just smiling. He says, because I know that, that's why I'm here. I love you too much. I don't care about your doubts. I don't care about your cynicism. We're going to run this rodeo for a while. And can I tell you something? That's what he'd say to every one of you. You know why? He's not going to forget about anyone in this room today. Well, how do you know that, Terry? Well, first of all, he's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But there's another prophetic proclamation from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, where it says this. I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. Can I tell you what that really, you know what Jesus is saying? saying, Listen, Dan Watson, I got your name right here. Chris Kyle, I got your name right here. I won't forget you. I am committed to you. That's what Jesus does. And it's here, it says that Thomas believed. And it wasn't just a belief like, okay, yeah, you're God. No, it was a sense where it went deep into his soul, where it was understood now. Yes, you are God. And it's here that the disciples in Thomas it's here that Chris, they begin to experience Jesus' peace personally and the healing of their doubts and their fears and their wounds. And they come into a deeper understanding of and a perception of who Jesus is. And what happens next? He turns them loose and he says, now you're going to be part of my mission. That's what it says in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, now I send you.
1: I have a new birthday now, February 10th, 2011. The day I got sawed open. The day Jesus let the poison out and saved me from the fiery pit of hell. Now I'm a new man. Mind, body, and soul. And I've got this constant reminder right down the front of my chest every time I look in the mirror to remind me that Jesus saved me He gave me a new lease on life. So we come to the present. My life is completely changed, thanks to the love of Christ. I love my family. I lead by example. My son's in the running club. My wife exercises, we're all losing weight, all feeling good. I moved into the waters of baptism with Terry in August that's when it really took off. That's when the power really took me over. All the time, you're looking through life for your purpose. And I was sitting on it the whole time. I was saved by God. I was saved by Jesus. Specifically, me. Here. Now. I was saved for a purpose and now I know what that purpose is just help people not to promote not to profit not even to convert but just help people touch people's lives
0: That's the powerful thing about our wounds that become scars. They can be part of your powerful testimony. Jesus showing his wounds, that was his story. That was the visible declaration and evidence of the victory that he had on the cross. And now he uses them all the time to say, this is what I did for you. And like Chris said, I I, I wanted to know my purpose, but I was sitting on it the whole time. Listen, every one of you in this room, you have a place and a purpose and a destiny. And sometimes we think it's got to be something big, but as Chris said, it might just be right where you are, just helping and touching people in Jesus' name. And some of our greatest hurts, some of our greatest wounds will become our greatest points of being able to help the people around us. You see this throughout the Scripture. Jesus in Mark chapter 5, he heals this guy who's demon-possessed. I hope nobody here is today. I don't think you are, or you would have probably manifested something by now. But... But he takes this man who lived in the cemetery, in the graveyard. And it says he literally, he broke chains. He cut himself, threw himself in fire. I mean, the guy was a mess. He had people scared. They were glad he was living in the, in, the, in the graveyard. And so many of us live in places of death. We don't even know it. But Jesus delivers this man. And it literally says that he's sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus gets ready to go. And leave. You know what the man does? He follows you. Come, Jesus, let me go with you. I'll bring my chains. I'll tell my story. Look at my scars, my wounds. Look where, the, look where I was shackled and broke out. People will be impressed. What does Jesus do? I can almost see him lovingly, graciously. Sir, step back from the boat. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go back home, and I want you to tell your family and your friends the amazing things that God has done for you today. And see, that's your destiny, is you start where you are. That's your purpose. You begin to tell your story right where you are of God's love and amazing grace. Friends, God's works through all of our hurts. He will never waste a hurt in your life or mine. He promises this in his words that as we're related to him and walk with him, All things, not some things, not a few things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes and who love him. But you've got to make that choice to love him, to walk with him. This is the message of Jesus, hope. Hope. We're all broken. We're all sinful people. We can't fix ourselves. We've tried so hard to do it. And if we could, we would have. But our only hope is to follow the man who's done the work for us, Jesus Christ. The message of every resurrection Easter Sunday is simply that. You have hope. Here's the bottom line. You heard Chris's story. Let me take it out just a little further. To all the drunkards, the addicts, the adulterers, the thieves, the desperate household fans, the murderers, the losers, the freaks, the geeks, the down and outers, the up and comers, people who think wrestling is real, rednecks, (laughs) chain smokers, everyone who does not use a turn signal while texting and talking on the phone in their car, you that don't wear seat belts, rockers, punkers, country and westerners flip-flops, short-wearers, suit-wearers, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, potheads, meatheads, boneheads, (laughs) Trekkies, people who don't recycle, tree-huggers and those who do recycle, (laughs) Prius-driving people and car-guzzling SUV drivers. And to the religious people who don't even know you're religious and you're far from God, this is what I want to say. Here's the good news. You are welcome at Creekside. (laughs) And more importantly, you are welcome to come and be accepted by the King of Kings, the one we celebrate today, Jesus Christ. But this is the key. You must repent and you must choose and then you'll be healed. So here we are in the aftermath of the cross, the aftermath of salvation coming to man. Loved ones, there are freedom in his scars and wounds. And now-